You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. Corey Yellen is away today. The World Health Organization ranks Vietnam among the countries with the highest rate of cancer fatalities in the world, with 315 people a day dying of cancer. Lung, liver, stomach, rectum, and breast cancer are the biggest killers. An official with the Vietnam Cancer Association says one-third of all cancer cases are caused by, quote, agents from unsafe food. And joining us today is Bob Johnston, who lives in Vietnam and has cancer that he has been treating with cannabis oil with great success. Bob, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Well, you're welcome very much. Good morning. Where are you from originally, Bob? I'm from Pennsylvania. Okay, and how did you end up in Vietnam? I served here during the war. I was in the Navy, on the rivers, and I spent three tours here. So it's not a very nice thing to say, but I lost faith in my country. I I was watching it go right down the toilet. And about 20 years ago, I made the decision to come back here. And 11 years ago, on July the 4th, I got on a series of airplanes and came back. Why did you want to live in Vietnam? I guess because, in a sense, I grew up here. I came over here when I was 19. I left when I was 22. So, in a sense, this is where I matured. Uh, The people if you take the government out of it, are on a whole a very nice, warm, loving bunch of people, very easy to get along with. Uh, And obviously, things have turned out pretty good because I stuck around. And we should just tell listeners that if they hear uh, uh, motorcycles and trucks, those are vehicles that are going by your residence, correct? Or, yeah. Right. I live on a very quiet street, but there's still <laughs> motorbikes here than probably any other country in the world. Bob, what's life like for you in Vietnam? Right now, I'm almost completely retired, so it's mostly just uh, writing. I'm a published author. Uh, I've got photography to keep me busy, and I travel. Plus, I just moved into a, a different house. I live right, you know, I'm, I'm 10 minutes from the beach if I walk really slow. Uh, life is just very easy, and it's very cheap. I'm renting a 
five-room house with a loft. Now it's not a new house, it's an old house, but I'm paying $150 a month in rent. Wow. Now, do you live in a smaller city or a larger one? I, I live in a place called Tiwa, which is on the south central coast. The city, they say, has a, a little over 200,000 residents, but probably 50% of the residents are counted that live in the countryside outside of the city. Uh, it's medium sized. We get only the occasional tourists here. So life is very slow, very laid back. Bob, let's get into your issue with cancer. Uh, the pictures you sent of the cancer behind your right ear uh, were quite horrific, actually. Tell me when you first noticed something was wrong. Mm, that was an area that I also had psoriasis in for about 10 years, maybe a little bit longer. And at first, all I noticed was a pimple. And when it grew a little bit, I started to think that maybe it was just a what's called a sebaceous cyst. And I went to the hospital here, which is a step below going to a veterinarian. And I had a friend here that was a doctor, or that is a doctor. I went to see him, and he told me that he couldn't do anything with it, couldn't do anything about it. I wound up in what's called an international hospital in Da Nang, they told me they couldn't do anything about it, but they did a biopsy at that point. It had grown to it had grown to the size of I'm trying to relate it to something easy. It was probably ten centimeters across, maybe fifteen by the time I got to Da Nang and they did the biopsy on it and it was still growing. And when they did the biopsy, I waited for about two weeks, and it came back as cancerous. And was it growing rapidly? It didn't do a lot until they did the biopsy. Once they did the biopsy, it started to grow like crazy. Now, what medical treatment did you undergo, Bob? Well, they said they couldn't do anything for me in Da Nang. They said they could operate, but they were afraid to. Uh, Where it is, there's a whole bunch of nerves there, and part of the cyst was directly over my carotid artery. And I'm a foreigner. They don't like to work on foreigners in hospitals here. So I was told to go to a cancer hospital in Saigon. I went to a cancer hospital in Saigon. Uh, I went through about three or four days of tests. That was right before the Tet holiday here. And that's when everything shuts down for, well, these days, almost a month. Everything comes to a dead stop. And what month would that be? That was about the middle of February. 
of this year. Of this year, right. And by the time I got down to Saigon, the tumor had doubled in size. It was still growing. It was about half the size of your fist. And it was pushing my ear out of place. It was crowding. I think it was crowding my, uh, oh, whatever it is that does your hearing. Well, I was having trouble walking. Uh, I'd lost my balance, my, my sense of balance. So was but, it impacting your equilibrium? Yeah, that's the word I was trying to come up with. I couldn't ride a motorbike. Uh, I was having trouble walking. I just kind of, I was stumbling, stumbling around. And I had to wait until tech was over. Uh, they, you know, they did all these tests, but nobody was going to do anything to me until tech was over. So I had to wait about a month. Well, by the time I got back there, it had grown to almost the size of my fist. And it was ugly. And it was seeping, then it was seeping pus all the time. By the look in the picture, it looks about the size of a baseball, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and elongated. Uh, I had trouble turning my head. Uh, It just, it was ugly. It leaked pus all the time. And it smelled like something dead. I smelled like something dead. So what did you do? How did you get on the road to recovery? I gave up on them. I went with my wife's advice on a person down in the city, uh, let's see, Fenrang's 150 kilometers south of here, to some witch doctor. I spent another month taking medication derived from cooked weeds that we paid a whole bunch of money for. They didn't do anything. And finally, after about a month of that and things still growing, we went to the International Hospital in Huey, which is up north of Da Nang. I spent almost a month up there. They did the same thing. They wouldn't accept... Nobody in this... Nobody in this country shares information. Therefore, I had to go through an entire other battery of new tests, which took three or four days. And they told me at the end of it that they'd give me radiation therapy and loaded me up on a whole plastic bag full of pills and said you know we'll we'll and by that time we were also running out of money the vietnamese pay literally pennies for medical care as a foreigner you get raped the vietnamese pay about uh they pay around eight dollars for one dose of radiation therapy. I was paying $150 in round figures for the same radiation therapy just because I'm a foreigner. So no insurance. It bled our, our bank account completely. And 
they finally told me after two weeks of radiation that we can't operate on you. We can't do anything else for you. Thank you very much for all your money. See you later. And we left. Uh, so what did you do after that? I went to a business that we own up in an area called Fang Ya, which is where they have the all the caves and the biggest cave in the world. And I frankly didn't know what to do. One of the first things I did start to do was... Now, let's let's back up just a little bit. I had a friend of mine here from Canada visiting. She has family in the town where I live. I owned a hostel at that point. She stayed at the hostel for almost a month. We talked about this a lot. She worked with a friend of hers at a clinic up there that dealt with medical marijuana treatment. And she told me some stories about the treatment, how good it was, how well it worked, and all this. Well, when she got back to Canada, she tried to send me some cream and some other things to use because she was disgusted when she saw the size of this tumor and that it was just still growing. Well, even though she packed everything up very well, it made it as far as Hong Kong, and I got a message from customs in Hong Kong that they decided to keep it because they picked up traces of marijuana in the package. So there was no way I was getting anything from Canada or anything else shipped into Vietnam. Uh, but when I went when I went up to Phong Nha, it was still in pretty bad shape, and it was just by then it was just huge. I mean, it was bigger than the size of my fist, and it was ugly. People stayed away from me. Uh, I did start doing quite a bit of research on cannabis and oil and everything else. And what I said to myself then was, self, if you can't get treatment anywhere else and nobody's going to work on you, you're going to Canada. Because by then I had found out, I'd already talked to a couple of people in Canada and was told that we could circumvent the law for residency, which I was told is one of the problems you have with getting cannabis care for cancer in Canada. I was told we could work around that. And I was ready to go to Canada to be treated. But one of the things that uh, you indicated in the notes that you, you sent us was the fact that besides having this cancer, one of the more serious problems with it was the infection. And the infection had to be treated before they could treat the cancer, or you could treat the cancer, correct? Ta-da! Yep. Survey says the biggest problem with the tumor was the infection that was completely out of control. The hospitals had given me bags and bags and bags full of antibiotics. 
which I wasn't taking because I knew that if I took antibiotics orally, it wasn't going to do a thing for the infection. And if I took enough to maybe do a little bit of something for the infection, after a while the antibiotics would become useless because you build up a resistance to them. I didn't know what to do. And then I met the smartest nurse I've ever met. And John came over one day. This was in Fangya. He's retired. He was an ICU nurse for over 20 years. And he now works as a guide for a company that takes puts people through the caves up there. And he came over one day. He knew my wife. He could smell me when he walked into the business up there. I mean, I no matter what I did, I reeked. And he spent some time talking to me, looking things over. And his biggest concern at that point was the infection. Uh, I had no energy. Uh, the infection was slowly killing me, along with everything else old age too so he thought about it and he came back a couple days later with a a bottle of saline solution that was cloudy and he said if it's alright with you I'd like to try this I don't know if it'll work but at this point anything's worth a shot right I said yeah you know what do you want me to do so what we did was we got gauze pads and uh, 20 pounds of surgical tape, and he'd mixed up, he'd, he'd, he'd bought antibiotics, crushed them up to a powder, and then mixed them into the saline, saline solution. So I walked around for, I don't know, three weeks, maybe, could be a little bit longer, with this huge piece of gauze and it was you know it was thick tape behind my ear sometimes across the ear uh, I had you can't keep the thing in place in that particular part of your body it's just almost impossible but I we tried so I kept it soaked with this solution 24 hours a day after the first week, the smell went away. At the end of the first week, it was smaller. Well, up a little bit smaller. End of the second week, smaller yet. End of probably the third week, it was even smaller still. And what I did in the meantime was I was spending all kinds of time digging up information on the use of cannabis to treat cancer. Uh, I already knew that I had to cook my own stuff if I was going to do anything or go to Canada. But the first thing we had to do was kill the infection. So by the time the infection was taken care of, I had the supplies I needed and had cooked my first batch of THC. So did you uh, use the cannabis oil that you made? Did you use it topically and ingest it internally? 
Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, uh, I started to use it topically. I, I mixed it with a plain cold cream. I mixed it the THC and a little bit of emu oil, which I had to import from Australia. And I started using it topically. And I would just, I would or I'd have somebody else smear the stuff on and then just cover it with a, a light piece of gauze to keep dirt and insects and stuff off. And I do that three, four times a day. We change the, the dressing on it. And I was surprised because within, oh God, within a matter of a couple of days, now it got uglier. But within a matter of a couple of days, it started getting smaller. Uh, when you say it got uglier, was that the cancer coming out? Okay, what was happening was this tumor was so huge that when we changed the dressing, there'd be huge hunks. I can send you that picture, but don't view the picture before or directly after you eat a meal. I had these huge chunks of yellow dead skin hanging off of the tumor. And I mean, God, it was ugly. But as more and more of this dead skin came off, the tumor, uh, the first thing that happened was it got a dimple in the center of it and the dimple just got bigger and bigger and bigger. The bigger the dimple got, the more dead skin we pulled off, the better I was feeling. Uh, I started to get my equilibrium back and the, the, the tumor just kept shrinking. Bob, when you were applying this topically, how much were you ingesting internally as well? Mm. Probably two grams a day. Uh, sometimes a little more, depending on the time of day and a bunch of other factors. Uh, I was putting it in food. I started baking brownies with reduced sugar content in them, so they were a little bit bitter, but you don't do it for the sugar. And when I cooked some other foods for myself, and I was using bud that I'd already treated, run it through the oven and blend it to use with other foods. So, yeah, sometimes it was probably as high as three grams of THC that I was taking. Yeah, so you were getting pretty high. Uh, yeah, I was very easy to live with. I pretty much, uh, my evenings, and that's what I do. During the day, I didn't do a lot. But in the evenings, after I ate, I found that I couldn't sit in the business. The best thing I could do once I started to mellow out was just disappear and go to bed. So that worked out very well. 
Did you notice that uh, the ingesting of the cannabis helped you in any other way in terms of your health? Uh, that's really hard to say because I was coming off the radiation treatments. I was coming off of the the infection. So it seemed like I was getting my energy back at an amazing rate. I just, I started feeling better. And the other thing that probably entered into that was the smaller the tumor got, the more of my life I got back. So the thing that I lost for four or five months was quality of life. And I suddenly got that back. So I had a general feeling of well-being that came along with all of this. So, Bob, in earlier this year, you have this growth behind your right ear, which is the size of your fists, larger probably than a baseball. You treat it with antibiotics and this emu oil cream to deal with the infection then you treat it with cannabis oil both internally and externally what does the area look like today well i can send you a picture of it but there's almost nothing left due to the size of the tumor there's still an area of disfigured skin but the area that's left is probably the size of an american nickel and the skin's raised just a little bit but the area is clean except for one part in the center and this is where i think the cancer was because there's a dimple there it looks like a crater on the moon pretty much but there's an area in the center where it's still healing. There's no problem with it, there's no discharge or nothing. But this is an area that, I don't know, it's like a crater on the moon. It's got a depressed center and then it's got some raised skin around it and it keeps getting smaller and smaller. So people can't smell you when you come around? Nope. That doesn't bother me a bit. Bob. Are you continuing to take cannabis oil, and will you continue to take it? Yes, I will. Uh, I'm apparently at risk for cancer, at least skin cancer. So, I don't know. For Now, okay, let me also back up a little bit here. What I want to do is, in, in the future, I want to go back to Da Nang, let them do a biopsy. Now, I don't know what they're going to do after everything's gone, but these guys did the original biopsy. They, there's an American doctor there that's a pretty nice guy. His associates are all Vietnamese, but they treated me pretty well. I want to go back to the Nang, pay to have a biopsy done to see if I killed all the cancer. But for probably the next two or three months, I'll continue to use the the oil that I've mixed up on the area where the cancer was. And 
I guess for the rest of my life, I'm going to be using cannabis oil or uh, the bud in food to keep it in my body. Yeah, if Corey were here, she'd tell you that uh, you should use it every day, just even a maintenance dose, just to help you out. What yeah. What is the, uh, the the state of using cannabis and growing cannabis in Vietnam? Well, it's just as illegal here as it is in the U.S. or in most places in the U.S., a lot of other places in the world. It is illegal. The thing is, in Vietnam... They don't enforce laws. I mean, they probably have more laws on the books than any other country in the world. They don't enforce them unless you get in somebody's face. One of the reasons they don't enforce them is because of the paperwork involved. Nobody wants to do paperwork, especially when all the copies have to be handwritten. And God help you if you screw up. Because then you got to pull out a clean sheet of paper and start from scratch. They don't believe in whiteout. So, you know, unless you cause problems, nobody's going to mess with you. I mean, the guy that gives me my stuff, no, I'll, let me rephrase it. The guy that sells me my stuff has a thriving business. And it's mostly the tourists. <laughs> <laughs> it is, really. But... You know, he just called me the other day and asked me, you know, are, are you ready? And I said, no, no, yeah, I still got stuff left. Well, I'm going to have to cook a bunch of oil the end of this month. Now, when I do that, I'll be ready for another load. And he just brings it up in a plain black plastic bag all wrapped up in newspaper. And I pay him. And I'm not worried about anybody catching me or busting me or putting me in jail, and neither is he. Bob, are your friends and acquaintances in Vietnam who have seen you at your worst when you had this massive tumor behind your ear, are they surprised at the fact that it's disappeared? Yes. They are completely amazed. Uh, What most of them think what most of the Vietnamese think, and what a lot of people in America think too, is that I went to the hospital and had surgery and had it removed. They can't believe that this was done with, well, first the topical antibiotics and then treating it with THC oil. They can't believe that. It's one of those things that the, I, I think part of the people don't believe that this is what did it. Bob, it was uh, good to talk to you from Vietnam. You're the first person we've ever interviewed from Vietnam, and we appreciate the fact that uh, you're well on the road to recovery, and uh, a couple of months you'll probably be declared cancer-free. Well, we're going to find out, because I'm going to have a biopsy taken. Great. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, man, nice to talk to you. Good to talk to you. And remember, you can tell your story about the medical use of cannabis by sending us an email at info at cannabishealthradio.com. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, you can listen to us now on Stitcher, and you can also listen to us on Apple iTunes. And give us a review, because on Stitcher, you need five reviews before they start to post them. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on Pod. Connex, and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.